This is a podcast where a real medical professional and me, an absolutely unqualified amateur, discuss fake medical emergencies. Obviously, this podcast is no substitute for actual medical advice. If you think you're having a medical emergency, please seek out real medical attention. And if you're going to listen to this in the ER waiting room, then for the love of God, put in headphones. Hi, everybody. I'm Jackson Vane. I'm Johnny Kolosinski. You might remember me from such podcasts as Fifty Shades of Burt, the Sesame Street fan fiction uh, anthology. <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, uh, this is Hi Everybody, a Bad Medicine podcast. Every week we talk about how Hollywood depicts medicine and how the body works, what they get right, what they get wrong, and what's just entertaining. Yeah. You can find this podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hi Everybody MD, and you can listen to it wherever you're listening to it now, or YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, all the fun places. Yep, pretty much. Jackson, what are we going to be discussing this week? So this week we're going to do one of my favorite movies, uh, Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle. Yeah, we were discussing before uh, before we started recording, and this movie is largely responsible for the Neil Patrick Harris renaissance. Yeah, that and then just the sudden craving of White Castle for all people who do not live in the Midwest and on the East Coast. Or in Old Vegas. Old Vegas? Oh, there, it's also on the Strip now, too, as oh, we is? learned this weekend. Yep. Oh, wow. So if you're ever near the Casino Royale, there is one in that one. That is the only <laughs> other place sense. I know. Yeah. Not plugging the Casino Royale. Not that great, but they got White Castle. And cheap craps tables. So, yeah. I believe they do have craps tables. I'm, Maybe oh, yeah. cheap blackjack. They definitely have cheap something. They have cheap blackjack. They have cheap craps. There were some games that they didn't have. But I remember that that's like your desperation last place to go or first place to go if you're really hungry. Obviously, we're degenerates. Yep. As a guy who just came back from Las Vegas, I would probably say that's true. Shout out to friend of the show, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was fun meeting all those people at that music festival. And that was a good time had by all. Uh, still recovering a little bit from that right now, which is why I have such a raspy voice, too. As opposed to the normal Jackson just got off an overnight shift. It's essentially the same voice. (laughs) Yeah. But this was a definite movie that was very popular in med school with the high number of Asian people and Indian people. We watched this quite a bit in med school because it was popular and funny. It was popular and funny with theater departments in Ohio, too, so some things are just universal. Yeah, and I guess if you want to just start with the premise why it connected a lot, it's it's funny because they started, the opening of the movie was Kumar, who's a pre-med student applying to med school, and then um, I think it was Fred Willard just making Mm -hmm. really bad puns the entire time, like he was playing for the basketball team, the Hemoglobin Trotters, which I appreciate that punnery, but terrible. Yeah, Fred Willard can do entries to this show anytime. Yeah, I mean, that is a good way to start that, and I'm surprised no one in our intramural teams in med school had the name Hemoglobin Trotters. Or fantasy basketball teams. Or fantasy basketball teams, for that matter. It also was kind of interesting that brought back really bad memories of interviewing for med school. I was not as cool and calm and collected as Kumar was. But you also actually wanted to go to med school. Yes. At that point, when you drop down a lot of money to get that application, you're pretty much set that you're going to med school or you want to go to med school. So I, I know that a lot of our audience is doctors and have gone through this already. Yeah. Um, but for, you know, the uneducated masses like mm-hmm. me among us, mm-hmm. what the med school application and interview process is a lot different than getting into a, a different 
type of grad school. Yeah, I mean, it all starts with your MCATs. Mm-hmm. So you got to do really well on your MCATs first to actually qualify for certain interviews. And they also look at your GPA, too. So basically, if you don't meet the minimum standard for that stuff, you're out mm-hmm. right there. And really, at that point, if a school is interviewing you, they're interested enough that they want to talk to you and want... They're, at least 50% interested that they want you to be there. Really, the whole point of the interview at that point is to make sure you're not a crazy person or a serial killer of some sort. After I got in, they actually did a lot of background checks, fingerprinting and whatnot, to make sure that I was not like a sex offender or did horrible things or anything like that. That was Mm -hmm. actually the first part of the orientation day was we actually had to get in line, all get fingerprinted in a row, and then we could proceed to the auditorium where we would do our white coat ceremony later that week. So you do your white coat ceremony with ink still on your thumbs. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, now they do live scans, but yeah, back then it was ink on my fingers. And the it's it's almost like a bid process how you because you say what your top schools so that, are. That's different from oh, that's oh, match process. Oh, that the match process. Yeah, med school is just you apply and you just pray that you get somewhere. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't matter where. Oh, the match process processes for, for res- residencies. Yeah. Got it. But this Got is it. Kumar applying just to medical school right now. I don't remember getting pimped during my interview process. And for those who are not medical people, pimped means put in my place, which is essentially how attendings would try to convey knowledge or to put, how, how do I say this, overconfident students in their place by asking them a hard question about a medical process and trying okay. to make them answer it. Like the question that they asked Kumar in... In the interview, which was symptoms of pancreatitis, which he got half of it right, and then he got interrupted by the phone call. Mm-hmm. So, like, belly pain, uh, belly tenderness. Yeah, that, of course you're going to have pain in your belly with pancreatitis. But then when he started saying he had anal discharge, uh, it's probably not... I have never seen anal discharge as a diagnosis of pancreatitis. Uh, diarrhea, maybe... But not anal discharge. That happens when you eat, like, Olestra, and that might be dating myself with the Olestra Yeah, yeah that was for all of, what, 2000? One Actually, year. that's... Few, it was right before the movie came out, and that's when everyone was eating potato chips cooked the, in it. The wow Olestra the chips. The wow Olestra chips that made your butt leak because you couldn't control all of it. it was, the correct term is steatorrhea, so that just means fatty poop. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine how delightful that would make you feel, mm-hmm. which is a good transition. That to, is actually a wonderful transition. That is the worst transition, <laughs> but the best at the same time, to the scene where they finally make it to Princeton, and um, they were supposed to go to an Asian party, but then they run into these two British girls mm-hmm. playing a very um, classy game. Yeah, they were playing a game called Battleships. Yep. As far as I could tell, the rules of Battleships are you poop and laugh. You Yeah. You poop and laugh, and there was a lot of poop. Mm-hmm. I mean, it all was, granted, it was all after they ate Mr. Taco, which potentially can cause all of this stuff. But could there be a lustra? It could be, but that is, we were talking about it, and um, Katie, Johnny's wife, was here going, maybe they're just farting. Like, no, there is distinctive plopping. I feel like it, uh, I'm going to have to edit and include a, a warning, a content warning for the first time on this episode, because we're going to be talking about poop a lot. There's a, Well, no, this is the only part we're talking about poop. Um, but I will say, that is a lot of stool to the point where I'm worried for their well-being. Especially given their size. Given their size, I'm worried that they could be dehydrated. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eating that kind of food and it's calling that much like poop... They should be in a lot more distress. Like, I'm sure you've had, like, a bad night of, like, 
food at the, the restaurant and you mm-hmm. go home and stomach cramps and all that stuff. They were playing it real cool. I was very surprised. But good on them because they might be just experts at battleships. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they played a win. They did play to win. But are there really winners in this game? I think everyone's a winner in <laughs> battleships. Not Harold and Kumar. They ran out very sad and in acute distress. Yeah. So they were quite worried. And to the point where they jumped in the car and just sped off. Mm-hmm. But they didn't pay attention to their special passenger in their right, car. Right, because in the car with them was a raccoon. Yeah. Uh, was the raccoon in that in the, in there for that scene? No, it was when... It was right after the pee. It was right after they stopped. Yeah. There was party, they stopped, he went to the restroom, and yep. then the raccoon just snuck in. And you knew that they were building for something shenanigan-like, I guess, right. would be a great way Unlike to the cougar. Unlike the cheetah. 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 The cheetah one, even though we are not uh, like wild animal podcast, the cheetah does play a role, because they allude to him the entire movie. Mm-hmm. And they definitely ride the cheetah, so... But the, there's a raccoon that yeah. ends up in the car and yeah. attacks Harold. Yeah, it bites him right on the neck. Like right on the, like vampire style. Yeah, on the jugular. Mm-hmm. And again, we've had this complaint about movies so many times already. Not bloody enough. Yeah, no, there's there's a little bit of blood on his jacket, but there's no blood no. on him at all. There was more blood from the raccoon coughing up blood onto him mm-hmm. than actually from the bite itself. And you never see the wound on his neck the rest of the movie. Right. Like you, It's alluded to that he was bit on the neck, but they don't say anything else. And Harold, being super paranoid, even though I think he is coming down off of his high, demands to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's 100% sure he has rabies. And raccoons are not the highest carrier of rabies in America. Is that bats? It's bats, yeah. So if you had a bat in your room while you were asleep and you saw the bat or was able to capture it, you pretty much have to get the rabies vaccine and immunoglobulin right away because they are such a high risk for bat, uh, rabies. Wow. So They're also, Bats are also a high risk for bats. Yes. Uh, clearly, festival brain. <laughs> not back to baseline yet. But... I will say, when he went to the hospital to get checked for rabies, it is the fastest rabies check I've ever seen in my life. It, it, it happened within an hour or so. Yeah. Uh, how long would it normally take? I mean, it depends what they're using, but if they're doing like PCR or something like that, it take hours. But it also, it's not so much how long it takes, but it's the availability. It's not all hospitals carry it. And if the hospital does carry it, do they want to run it every single time mm-hmm. someone got bit by an animal? Or, or would do they, they only want to match it? Right. right? Oh, okay. Like, the management's going to be the same. You're still going to get the immunoglobulin, which sounds like the most painful thing because you actually have to take the needle and inject it in around the wound to prevent the uh, virus from spreading out. So you're making a wall, essentially, of the immunoglobulin to prevent the... Vac- the. So that's why they talk about having the circle of shots yep. for it. Okay. So that's the circle of shots, but then you also get the vaccine. Uh-huh. And you need it, like, several days. It's, like, day zero, day one... I think day seven and day 14 or something like that, too. I'm, my numbers might be off because I, I don't give it too often. I usually am the one who gives it on day one mm-hmm. and then send them off to infectious disease and have them finish the course of it. But you need a lot of shots for that. And most of the time, people don't finish it because if they catch the animal and they observe them and they don't have any symptoms, they kind of just stop. But if they catch the animal, especially if it's a bat and they kill it and then they dissect the brain or look in the nervous system and do find the thing, then they finish up the whole course. You said you don't often give the whole round of it. How, how, how regularly do you 
So we'll see a lot of patients that will show up randomly to the ER being bitten by, like, a random dog. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, the big concern is, like, do they have rabies or not? So if they're able to catch the dog and observe the dog, they'll still get the shots at, until the appropriate mm-hmm. amount of quarantine or if they do um, kill the dog and mm-hmm. check. Um, but if they can't find it, then you, you do have to get everything. Because it's unlikely that you're going to get the results before. Yeah. And it's better to be safe than sorry. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and most of the time we don't even do the blood test on them right away. Like it's just, oh, you got bit by a dog. Well, let's check the dog instead of you, and then mm-hmm. let's just do the vaccine as a precaution. It's probably more cost efficient. So yeah. that's why. But we don't see that that often with raccoons, though. Like I don't think I, I've seen a raccoon case here, but I know back home, or not not back home, but back in Albuquerque, we used to see like bat bites, raccoon bites, and then reservation dogs. All the time. Well, San Diego isn't exactly known for its raccoon population. No, I have not seen a single one being here. I'm sure I, I'm sure they exist, but I can't think of one. I can't think of them either. They're not it, roaming around in my garbage, that's for sure. Now, it is pretty great, being from Ohio, mm-hmm. seeing squirrels that live in palm trees. Yeah. That, that's, it, ten years later, it's that still weirds me The out. most Californian thing ever yeah. is random animals climbing up palm trees as if they were oak trees or pine trees. Yep. Still really weird. That scene in the in the hospital mm-hmm. takes us to what really made us want to cover this one. Yeah. Uh, Kumar performing surgery. Yeah, I mean, I guess to set this part up, it's Kumar meets his dad, who's very upset at him for like just screwing up his medical school interview and said, you have to do well with your interview with Dr. So-and-so tomorrow which is still weird because normally when you have interview days for med school you're not meeting with one person you're meeting with several people like a Mm -hmm. panel almost to make sure you're not crazy but they said if you're not doing well you're cut off so he hugs him just just like a fake or a fake apology and then steals his brother's badge because he wants to look for medical marijuana inside the hospital definitely don't keep marijuana in our hospital we do keep certain things I will not lie, though. There are certain oils that we do keep for our seizure patients now. But back mm-hmm. in 2004, there was no way there was medical marijuana in that hospital. Which the movie's correct about. Yes. In that Ryan Reynolds yes. sa- lets them know that, no, it's not there. No. It, it, Ryan Reynolds playing the creepiest nurse, question mark, or doctor. Yeah. I'm not sure what it is. I just know Ryan Reynolds is in this movie and is delightfully creepy. Yeah. Yeah. This was a couple years after Van Wilder, so he was right on his height of, uh, I'm doing college stoner humor. Yeah. It was a smarmy humor. Yeah. Um, and it kind of ties in with this one, because this is definitely stoner humor. Yes. Um, but they, they call him and ask him to scrub into a case with a patient that was shot three times and needed to be saved right away. So they bring him into the OR, but I would assume that he was seen in the ER first, before he went to the OR, right? So he would have been stabilized at that point. He looked pale as a ghost, and he had no IVs in yet. This is the first time we said that somebody looked properly pale. Yeah. I mean, if you lost that much blood, his lips were pale as heck. And that is actually one of the first things that we look at is your lips. Your mm-hmm. lips tell me how low your hemoglobin or your hematocrit is. Um, his was pretty darn low, and he didn't have any IVs in. So I would assume that they took him from the ER to the OR without even stabilizing him, which is not safe because the last thing you want to do during transport is having someone doing compressions into the OR. And that was kind of weird. But he did say it kind of right where where he said, I want two IVs with uh, Ringer's bolus stat, which sounds very 
official. Yeah, it, it sounds very medically. And that is actually an official thing that, well, not official, but that is a appropriate real thing that I've said before. What would it mean? So that means you want to start two IVs. Usually um, you want the biggest IVs you can into the biggest easily accessible veins. Usually those are the arms right okay. away. And then um, you're pushing ringers. Lactated ringers is a type of IV solution that is, has like bicarb, sodium, chloride, so that you can um, expand their volume again. Because when you lose that much blood, your blood pressure drops. Okay. So you want to at least retank the whole system. That way you can stop circulation and having something reach the brain. How, um, that's what you kind of do before you try to get blood or while you're waiting for blood. Because if you're losing that much blood, adding water, essentially, mm-hmm. just dilutes you out. And you're not having the things that are carrying oxygen. Like, sodium's not going to carry oxygen to your brain and your heart and all your organs. So, But it will, at least making sure that there's enough volume for it to keep moving is a good thing. Okay, it, it, it's it's step one and then step two is blood. It's, yeah, it's step one and um, just management in general. Um, the other thing that he said that was weird was he needed to sedate the patient before he goes into cardiac arrest. If the patient is not already sedated, I'm not worried about him going to cardiac arrest. I'm worried about him injuring himself or injuring staff members. Because mm-hmm. if you got shot a bunch of times, you might not be that calm. Right. You're going to be really angry. You're going to be fighting. You're going to be thrashing around. You're not going to be slipping into cardiac arrest. Mm-hmm. So, But the bigger concern is if you do sedate him and he is hemodynamically compromised, which means his blood pressure is low, his heart rate's fast, he's bleeding somewhere. Then his heart rate is going to slow down? Well, his blood blood vessels might dilate. Okay. His blood pressure might drop. And then you're back into the this, this situation before where because you're not Because the sedation would, would yeah. dilate his blood vessels? Yeah. And marijuana is definitely not the first choice. Okay. Because that's what he asked for, was mm-hmm. he asked for marijuana. And we will sedate you, but it won't knock you out. This is like the whole whippet situation with uh, Shooter all over again, where, yeah, you'll be sedated. And he did call for nitrous as a sedation thing. And that is not the first thing we would use for um, sedating a patient to intubate them, which this patient was not intubated either. No, because no. he was able to give directions to White Castle. Correct. Which was weird. Because <laughs> that's a man who almost died. That's movie magic. Though. Yeah. But that's a man who almost died, but still had the wherewithal enough to um, give directions to White Castle. Yeah. But if we can go back just a little bit, they actually said he's desatting, mm-hmm. um, which I feel like he would, probably would have been desatting already. And what that what term means. Mean? What that term means is your oxygen saturation is dropping. Oh, okay. But he had a full oxygen mask on. So if he was desatting, he should be dying pretty quick. So. Um, that's like 100% oxygen. If you're getting 100% oxygen, you should technically be maintaining your saturation unless something else is going on right. inside of your chest, be it your heart or your lungs. So they guessed that he had... The way Kumar was kind of going about it, they were guessing he probably had a collapsed lung. They didn't say it explicitly, but he asked for a 14-gauge angiocath. I think they do say it specifically. Then, what, that they said he had a pneumothorax? Yeah, that he, that, no, collapsed lung. Oh, he had a collapsed yeah. lung. So yeah, so that's a pneumothorax. So they took a... A needle, and he just stabs him. Actually, and in the right place, um, mid clavicular, mm-hmm. um, so the, middle of the shoulder or uh, the shoulder blade, the shoulder blade, and then in the second, around the second or third intercostal space. And usually, when you do that with just the needle, you can actually hear a whoosh of air come out. The I'm surprised he had the ne- the needle with the syringe on top because when you do that, it's a closed thing, and mm-hmm. unless it was under so much pressure, that plunger would not move. Because there's not enough air mm-hmm. pressure to make it rise. Right. However, because if there was enough air pressure, then his lung wouldn't be collapsed. Or there, it would still be collapsed. It just 
Uh-huh. You're just closing the circuit, and it might just leak around it. We're okay. going path of least resistance, right? Got it. Um, so usually if we dart someone, we just do it with the needle mm-hmm. and see what air comes out, and then he might need a chest tube on the side afterwards. So that's the next step of stabilization. But usually he'd be in the OR for that case, which he was mm-hmm. in this one. But I think the more concerning part was he was shot so many times that I'm not more worried about a collapsed lung, but his chest cavity filled with blood. So we call that hemothorax. Mm-hmm. So actually having a syringe on that and pulling would be the right way to go because then you can pull out some blood in that case. But then you need to go to the OR to be opened up to find out where you're bleeding and then stop that one. And then people need to stop pulling bullets out of chest. <laughs> like seriously, stop being Rambo and yanking bullets out. It does not save your life. It just causes more issues. Yeah. If there's one thing that we want you to learn from this podcast, it's when you get shot, leave the bullet in. Yeah. I mean... People go, well, what if you go through metal detectors? Like, what happens? Like, your the you'll metal beep. De- yeah, you'll beep. I'm sorry. It's a minor issue. But you will, I think most of the time you'll get a card and I'll tell you, mm-hmm. you have metal in your body. Sorry. I mean, I don't know if you go through the the, the scanny thing, the nudie maker. Yeah, I think you still, I think you can still go through the, the backscatter, I think, but I I have no bullets in me. It was called the, of. it was called the nudie maker and, uh, in med school, not med school, yeah, med school and fellowship. We call it the nudie maker because it just portrays you naked and in the secure. And, and then they blur it up. And they blur it up, allegedly. Yeah. We're not a TSA podcast, but allegedly they blur you. I don't trust those things at all. That's <laughs> why I have TSA pre-checks, so I never have to walk through those things ever, ever again. But yeah, it goes, it's just a weird, weird thing where the patient was so dead I'm still, like, dumbfounded by how dead he was, and he came back to life. I was like, yeah, I know where it is. I see. I love that. That, that to me, is, like, Mel Brooks-level humor. It is kind of Mel Brooks-level humor. Um, he does lift up his uh, mask just so that he can yeah. be more clear in the way he talks. Oh, and I forgot. With everyone just breaking sterile procedure. Non-stop. Yeah, it, there was... They, they walked in. They didn't wash their hands. Yeah. They At least someone dressed them. Which they do. Right. So when you like wash and everything, that's when you keep your hands up. Yeah. Back into the door. It's been a long time since I've been into an OR, but that's when you back into the door, hands up like this. Uh, someone will give you a glove or a mm-hmm. towel first so you can dry off your hands. And you're drying the hands off and then you just throw your towel somewhere. And towel slave, here you go. Uh, catch my towels. And then they give you the gloves and you put them in. Actually, no. You put on your gown first. Mm-hmm. You put on your gown. They tie it up for you. Then you put on your gloves. Then you put on your second pair of gloves. But you already have your mask and your hat and all that stuff. Right. On. That's that's something you said before is is a big screw up is they get they do the sterile procedure so well and then put their mask on last. Yeah. Just remember like the sterile area for you in the OR is between your shoulder, basically your shoulder and your mid abdomen. You cannot touch anywhere outside of that zone. So you're basically you walk in and your hands are just on your chest when you have all everything on and you're trying not to touch anything else. Mm. So you're kind of standing really awkwardly with your hands on your chest. Like almost like a monk. Almost like a monk, yeah. But everyone's always taking off their mask. Like Ryan Reynolds taking off his mask just to dramatically like make sexy make the comments. Mar- yeah. Or but but why? Yeah, the, the we, marijuana. That cracked me up so much. But that was before. This is all before Ryan Reynolds was amazingly good at being bad superheroes. Yeah. And then a good superhero. But oh, Green Lantern. That that's a different issue. How, yeah. How did he get into the OR in the first place? Like, honestly. How did Ryan Reynolds? No, uh, Kumar and Harold. Uh, I assume racism. <clears throat> I mean... I just broke Jackson again. It's I mean, been a couple weeks. It's, I, I don't know. It's so hard to get 
anywhere into the the hospital and his badge they had no pictures no uh, pictures but it literally said hospital authorized entry anywhere or something like that like authorized entry anywhere. it was a golden ticket it was there my badge is not even a golden ticket and i worked there and you would think for me i should be able to go pretty much anywhere in the hospital no mm-hmm. there are still places where i swipe my badge and they're like nope can't go there usually it's like the ex- executive's um parking the executive lot. bathroom yeah or the executive parking lot and stuff like that. I'll swipe my badge like, nah. <laughs> you can't go in there. You Too many park. Bentleys. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, commoner. You cannot make <laughs> it into my area. But that badge seems to let them in anywhere. And the fact that they cannot verify who that person is just is a testament to that hospital is really crappy security. No wonder they don't have marijuana. I know. Because anyone could just walk in and yeah, just do all their work. They weed. did. They did before the movie. I feel like if they did this in today's age they'd be stealing a lot more than just marijuana yeah yeah but we do keep like oils and i guess vaping still cool until it's illegal and <laughs> people get popcorn everyone gets popcorn lung and hopefully that won't maybe that's gonna anymore. be harold and kumar number four what harold, harold and, kumar and kumar get, get popcorn, popcorn lung? lung oh i don't think they would be vaping i still think they would be doing it the old-fashioned way they seem like classic folk <laughs> but and then I think we should just touch on the last weird thing that creeped you out the most, which was Freak Show's boils. Oh, yeah. So Freak Show is an amazing makeup job uh, on one of, the, one of the guys from SVU. Christopher Maloney. Christopher Maloney. And he's, just, he's got boils everywhere. He's got fully crusty ears. Yeah. And they talk about his boils pulsating and pussing. I've never seen a pulsating boil. A pulsating boil, like, that would require circulation, and so it'd... Yeah. But it should be bloody, right? Yeah. If it was, a, like, a mass that's expanding rapidly like that with pulsation, I'd expect blood. Mm-hmm. Um, also, he probably has, like, the worst MRSA ever. <laughs> but why is it only localized to his face? You know he has to yeah, scratch. Yeah, because when he takes his, when he takes his uh, no shirt eyes. off, his, yeah. his chest is fully clean. Yeah. And there has to be, you cannot have it just on one location for that long. Mm-hmm. Like, at some point, he probably scratched and spread it elsewhere. And his poor wife probably has it other places, too. Yeah. So Freak Show is not medically accurate. No, but I I wouldn't say he's fully medically inaccurate. I mean, as a guy who's seen a lot of MRSA boils and whatnot... Some of them do ooze out quite a bit. They just don't pulsate like that. Ugh. And it does come out quite a bit. So, like, that's a person that probably would benefit from, like, a bleach bath. That's it's, right. That's a thing? That's a thing. Wow. It's it, a, like, a, you fill up a bathtub, you pour a cap of bleach in, and then you bathe in it, and that'll kill the MRSA that's on Not you. medical advice. Not medical advice, but it is a treatment we do, and it sounds disgusting. It's a treatment you do in the hospital. Like, as opposed to, don't do this at home. Please don't do it at home unless a doctor told you to. Yeah. But that and not is... a doctor that you heard on a podcast. Yeah. I am not the best person to give you medical advice about that. But um, we always joke that all, all healthcare physicians, or all healthcare people have MRSA at some point. Mm. Or if not, just carriers of it. It's fine. MRSA's just staph infections that are just harder to treat. Uh. <laughs> and just more aggressive sometimes. That's it. It's not that scary, though. So is there a scene that we could take and make more medically accurate and keep the stakes high? 
I mean, I'm not touching Battleships. That's okay. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, we could touch on med school interviews. That's easy, though. That's for, like, stuff that if you're going to do an, another season of Scrubs med school and try to make it more accurate, that could be one. But really, if you're going to... If there's one scene you really want to tackle medically, it's probably just the OR scene mm-hmm. in general. Uh, this patient should be should have been stabilized, but ooh, uh, you probably couldn't intubate him because he can't give you answers on where White Castle would be. Yeah. Um, I probably would figure out how to sneak in the weed part again for sedation, but making that as a joke is a good thing. Yeah. But using nitrous for sedation, not a good thing. One thing that that we didn't mention, but I noticed, was mm-hmm. they did do bleeding right in that his uh, his wounds, his gunshot wounds, oh, were yeah. pulsating. We're, we're, we're oozing. We're yeah, oozing. Much, yeah. yeah. Um, and they definitely do ooze. I think it depends where you got hit, though. If you got hit, like, near your mm-hmm. mid-chest, like, in your aorta kind of area, you'd be pretty much bleeding, if not dead already. Um, I'm just trying to think back to the GSW patients I've had and how they look like. And they do just ooze a lot, but when they bleed, they bleed to the point where they're going to die pretty soon. And the other part, too, is I think that patient probably would have been coughing up blood at some point or vomiting blood, too. Because, just because of the fact that he'd be, uh, what do you call it? Is it hemothorax? hemothorax? Yeah. But also because if you shoot through your lungs, your lungs are a series of tubes, basically, like the internet. Mm-hmm. So that would fill up with blood, and you probably would be coughing up a lot of blood, too. So that's more reasons why having a face mask with high volumes of air would be a bad thing, because you're basically shoving the blood that he's trying to cough up back, back down into his lungs. So that's why people get intubated, is so that they can at least have some pressure control. But also, if you're shoving that much air in, you're filling up the stomach, too, so whole vomit, and then you're shoving that back down, too. So there's a lot of bad issues on that part. And then the other thing is you probably should have had an IV or at least one IV earlier. And if they couldn't get an IV on him because he was so hypovolemic and blood pressure was low, that's when we break out our drill. It's like a, we call it intraosseous. So we drill a needle into your bone and then give you fluids that way. Wow. Yeah. It's fun. I'm sure it is. I'll pass. We call it the easy IO. They say it's just as painful as getting an IV. Mm-hmm. the recovery is what hurts. It's like you broke your bone and you're waiting for it to recover. That hurts more than actually getting the IO put in. Is that just because it is less painful or because if it's happening, you're probably in such a high level of stress that... So, yes and no. Um, I know it, my instructor who taught us how to do all this stuff did it to himself and he goes, oh... What? Yeah. He goes, it didn't hurt until the day after then it hurt a bunch. But we won't do the I.O. unless we are in, like, up shit's creek, basically. Uh-huh. Like, we need to establish a line right away. So that's when we would do an I.O. Uh, so we take out, like, a tiny drill and then hook up an attachment and just go... Phew. It's fun. It's a good procedure. Residents will fight over it all the time. <laughs> I fought for it. Um, I was, like, the one thing I'm like, oh, I.O., give me the kit. Give me the kit now. Uh, we were just taught never put your hand underneath the bone that you're trying to drill. That's a good life lesson. Yep, we that was that's the number one mistake interns make is drilling through their own hand with well, a bone drill. Attempting to, I stopped them before they do that. But that is the number one um, mistake that people will do with that. <sighs> number two is not drilling far enough. I can see that. I, I think that would be my mistake. If you're sick already, it's okay to go. Just power through if, if, if you're doing it you're it's yeah. it, it's a last resort exactly 
And then uh, in terms of other things I can fix, I'm not touching Freak Show's boils either. Yeah. Both figuratively and literally. No, thank you. <laughs> Just gross. Yeah. As a guy who has to drain plenty of abscesses, one less one is not going to ruin my day. So, yeah. All right. It's a good one. I still I still love this movie. It's a fantastic uh, movie. It's a great movie. I don't think I can make fun of the second or third one that well. But this one was one where we all watch it through med school and could not stop giggling about how ridiculous it is. <laughs> but especially when we saw the medical scene, all of us just kind of were gasping for a little bit at that point. And then we all ate White Castle right after. <laughs> ate way too many of those Crave cases in med school. I will say that. Uh, White Castle, if you're listening, we know you're willing to sponsor pop culture. So, hi everybody, MD. You know, hi everybody, podcast at gmail.com. I will take one crib case, please. Yep, <laughs> we're cheap. Uh, thanks, folks, for listening. Yep, uh, we'll be back next Tuesday with uh, the start of our horror October. Hortober? Ah, I'm not. I'm sticking with that name. That I'm, name is so popular amongst everybody right now. Hashtag Hortober. I am going to use that all the time. I don't know what we're going to talk about yet, but I'm really excited. Um, if you guys have ideas, let us know. But yep. uh, keep telling everybody to listen to us. We're we're hitting, we've what? Hit yeah. over like 600 yeah. downloads. Thank you everybody for listening. Um, but continue spreading the word and we will be back with more. Yep. Thanks, folks.